Well, now I don't want to do a live show. Now I just want to play with the word dick the whole time. Oh, shit. Welcome to a live show. I'm your host, the Grey Knight. I've put on a recording voice so that you know that it's a show. I will drop it very shortly because I hate doing one of these. This is what I was trained to do in performance school. I don't care for it. Hello. Um, <laughs> it's called the boring baritone. It's the best phrase I've ever heard for doing that voice. Uh, Stephen Colbert came up with that phrase, and I'm like, God, that's so perfect. That's the best way to describe that fucking voice that they teach you to do. It's so fucking boring. You just make everything nice and easy, and then people follow along, even though they're joining you out. They don't change the channel, though. They just suddenly go to the kitchen and look at their pantry. They don't even know why they're doing it. <laughs> and you can say anything in that voice, too. Many toddlers died in the crash. <laughs> right? Just boom. Just boom. I know, it's horrible, isn't that awful? And over 1,000 pets had to be put down. Back to you, Brenda. <laughs> I was reading about these flea collars that got recalled, because if you put them on children, then... And I just, like, I had to stop right there. Like, right there. It was so early in the article, too, and I just had to bounce out. Because I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to find out the information that I'm going to find out in the rest of this article. I saw pet, I saw flea collar recall. I started reading. I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm going to stop now. And I have to say, that's been a really good choice for me lately. Uh, I've actually been dipping out of the news. I've been talking about that and not reading so much and only reading about, like, COVID on occasion and when things are going pretty good. Uh, I talked about how on January 6th, January 6th happened, which is now about two months ago as of recording this. Uh, and I didn't know it had happened. I just know that something happened because I came back to Earth and everybody was freaked out. And that was a really, really, really positive experience for me. I didn't like that everybody was freaked out, but it really kind of helped put it in, in a perspective since I've done so much healing and, and working on myself. It just sort of made it clear how unattractive I find myself when I'm freaking out, I suppose. And I really don't want anybody who sent me a message or anything along those lines to think I'm casting any judgment on them whatsoever, because it's not the moment that made it clear with seeing all the DMs because other people were freaked. It was the conversations and everything that happened afterwards, and I've talked about it before. I have my own political beliefs. You have yours. I'm not going to proselytize too much about that kind of shit, you know, since I'm all in on the Brotherhood of Man stuff, and that's already very annoying for a lot of people. Um, but, especially since I have a, a, a female base and I say Brotherhood of Man, oh, what am I thinking? Uh, but 100%, uh, I, 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 the, the, the concern and the chaos when my instincts not living through that moment of, of anxiety told me everything was going to be pretty much normal, like right away. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty scary, but uh, everything's going to, like, give it 24 to 36 hours, everything's going to be pretty much exactly how it was, though, don't worry. Uh, and that's, you know, you can have a different perspective, but that's definitely how I think things have played out the last two months. It's pretty much almost exactly business as usual. And therefore, all of that freakout and all of that anxiety didn't do much, I guess. 
for all the people who felt it. And as somebody who experiences more anxiety and who spends more of their life ruminating about possible disasters because of PTSD, because of their, their upbringing and their background, it just really made it clear to me that a, a word that I've been focusing on all 2021 is composure and how I want to improve my composure because that's so important to so many people at, at so many points, especially if I want to really further this whole entertainer dream of mine. So work on that composure, composure, composure all the time. I slipped up on that. Uh, <clears throat> last time I was here. And that feels really good to admit that I slipped up on it, that it was a mistake, that it wasn't so bad, that it was my mistake and that I did it. And just to admit that without any kind of like, I need to take a deep breath or I need to appalt, like it, I fucked up. But I thought about this. Nobody pointed this out to me. Does anybody know the the artist or uh, or, or I I don't know if you call her an artist or an entertainer. She's got uh, she, I don't I don't know what the rules are right now. But Tiffany Haddish, anybody a fan of Tiffany Haddish? Tiffany Haddish uh, has tried on a lot of hats since her since her rise to fame, and one of them was stand up. And she in Florida, which is known for being like the worst stand up place in the fucking country. Uh, got horribly hazed and had to stop her routine and started crying on stage like 10, 15 minutes in. And it was like a New Year's Eve show too. It was a big deal. And like, because Twitter can be very regional, On I be- I'm almost positive I'm getting the details of this probably just a little bit wrong, so apologies. But I mean, it is Tiffany Haddish and it is a stand-up special. Uh, so I know that much for sure. And she did stop and she talked about, she's talked about it multiple times since. Uh, but, like, because Twitter and social media can be so local and what have you, like, it got really bullying there, like, wherever she was for, for the, you know, that night. It was trending. It was like, Tiffany, give up or whatever. Like, Tiffany sucks or whatever. It was trending. Because uh, uh, she ate it on stage. And I'll never forget reading this media story because I don't typically read media stories. The reason I came into it was because I read the stories starting the coverage the next day. Where it was like comedians like Patton Oswalt and Mark Marin and like really famous stand-up comedians who make so much money and so much, uh, you know, have so much clout. Uh, you know them from other things, but they're like so successful as stand-up comedians as well. And it was all these great stand-up comedians. I'm <laughs> unfortunately I can't think of any of the women who who recited the next day. I'm sorry. Uh, who just said, you know, Tiffany, every that's happened to all of us, every single one of us. You were just famous before it happened to you. That happened to all of us many times over. You were just famous, and so they made a meal out of it with you. But it's happened to all of us. And that really... That really got to me. It was a real moment of solidarity for me that I never was looking for or expecting. I was just, you know, browsing the news one morning. And I thought about how when I read that, I was just with them a thousand percent. Like, of course everybody is just... <laughs> of course she's allowed to freak out on stage and, you know, stumble and all that kind of thing. I don't – I make jokes about it, but Rihanna fucking, like, sometimes just doesn't show up to her own shows after she shows up to her own shows. And I don't even fucking blame her. Like, I, I don't know what to – I don't know what you're going to tell me. How how many times do you want Rihanna to come out to Tulsa and fucking give a thousand percent? I don't know, but I apparently have a different expectation than you. And I kind of, like, should Rihanna do that? No. Am I ever going to blame Rihanna for doing it? Fuck, fucking no, I'm not. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? 
I'm amazed that Cher wants to fucking... I'm amazed that Cher wants to fucking go with the giant elephants that shoot lasers out of their eyes. Do you know how long they have to be set up? Do you know that you can't have giant elephant lasers on stage and then just kind of come out and be all like, "Uh, hey guys, I'm only going to give you like 85% tonight. (laughs) You can't do that. That's a real commitment. You can't have an acrobatic troupe that you're going along with on tour in the bus and then be like, Hey guys, it's going to be kind of like a light night. I'm thinking we're going to be out in 35, maybe 40. Uh, Let's just play the easy stuff. Okay, everyone have fun. Can't do it. Can't do it. That's the David Crosby style of of touring, which sounds so much better to me. (laughs) There's a David Crosby and there's like a cat, uh, whatever the fuck her name is. I want to call her Cat Powers, but that's not her fucking name. What's her name? Cat, not Denning, not Powers. Cat, she's huge. You're going to hear her roar. Katy Perry. I don't know why I called her cat. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. I'm so awful with fucking names. The KAT got stuck and nothing else came. Ugh. Damn you, Cat Dennings bust. As soon as Cat Dennings gets popular again, all KAT women, all Katies, all cats, they just immediately become glamour shots of Cat Dennings fucking on a red carpet. God damn it. She knows exactly what she's doing, too, and it's just brilliant. Ugh. She's very pretty. She's very pretty. That is not why Kat Denning fucking entered my hen. Is like, uh, there's a reason why I don't trip over Anna de Armas every single time I'm talking about beautiful woman. If it was just that she was very pretty, ugh, damn you, Kat, you're bust. I just want to fall into you like 127 hours. Is that so wrong? Is it wrong to, like I said, 85% show. Maximum. Maximum tonight. Gnaw off my arm. It'll be fine. <laughs> so I'm back on the horse. I'm really going to try and give it tonight. This is going to be a, a longer show than the normal, at least what I'm reading, or at least what I plan on reading. Uh, <clears throat> and this is like a, just a, like a normal time for me to try and get back on the horse and just say, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're so good to me. Uh, I've really been trying to take care of myself this last year, especially these last two months, and I've been doing a pretty good job of it, to invest in myself with everything that I think is going on right now in the world is not easy. It's a day-to-day effort. I said I was going to do it for you guys, and so far, I'm afraid that that just has not happened. (laughs) I said I was going to like get out of bed every day for a year because of my fans and being the Grey Knight. And I tried that out for a little while, and it just doesn't have the mojo for me. I'm sorry to say. just It's not the catalyst in my engine. But what turns out to be is doing it for fucking me, is getting out of my bed every day, not for the cat, not for Allie, not for you guys, but to get out of bed for me is so far working pretty good, I have to say. Getting myself out of bed and focusing on Not what I did, or my slip-ups, or what happened last week, but just what little power do I have over my day-to-day, since I have so little power over it, some days it seems. What little power do I have over my day-to-day, and how am I going to drive that impulse? Where am I going to focus myself, and how am I going to make the most of it, even if it's only for 30 fucking minutes? Because how many people today would wake up feeling blessed if they had 30 straight minutes to themselves that they don't. So even if it's only for that, what are you going to do? 
because if you do it for 30, you'll probably do it for a little bit longer. Now, won't you? So that's where I'm at right now. <clears throat> and I'm feeling pretty good about things. There's stuff coming down the pike you haven't heard. I've got so much writing done. I, I legitimately think that I can get into this hamster wheel called production that I've been promising you guys for a long time now and has had so many hiccups from bad recording situations to just bad fucking health to just a bad, bad, depressed state of mind. And I think most of these have been more or less ironed out. I'm always going to be a depressed fuck. Uh, creativity is like that, I think. But insofar as somebody who's been to way too much therapy and spent a lot of time battling their demons, I feel really good. And that's the that's the that's why there's not like a a little headline <laughs> today uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, it will be coming back real real shortly here. I promise. Um, but I I, I want to give you that update. Because a lot of times people get worried for me when I have a little blip. The blips are getting smaller. They're getting further uh, apart. And with everything going on right now in my world, I know your world's not the same. Uh, your world's apparently filled with a lot more optimism than mine is right now. I think I'm doing great. Okay, so super quick though. Uh, we're just going to do something uh, to celebrate me before we get into the show, because I don't really celebrate myself a lot. So we're just going to do something right now. It's called, uh, it's my favorite game to play, really. I don't ever get to play this game, but I'm going to celebrate myself and extol my own virtues. Here we go. This is called, <clears throat> I was That's right. Who was right in the whole world of all the minds competing with ideas? Who was correct? Eight billion people. Who was right? Who was right? I have to ask you. Let's like let's just go back to the evidence real quick here. Uh, let's just go ahead and go back to the support. Okay, January 2020. Who said COVID was going to go outside of China? Oh, that's right, me. Dr. Fauci? Zero. Jack? One. Okay. Okay. Masks, because this thing is airborne. Jack? One. Fauci? Zero! Okay. All right. Just making sure we're clear about that one. Okay. Cool. 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 Who says surface areas are being cleaned too much and that you're focusing too much on that because it's definitely airborne because Jack doesn't know the word aerosol at this point in March? Jack! Three! Fucking Fauci? Zero! Okay. Okay. Now hold on. Maybe I'm stacking it. That's just, you know, it's the first three months. He's only had a lifetime of experience, and he's an expert. He's only been in his position four decades. I don't know anything about medicine. Who knows? I'm examining data. He's an old piece of shit who's never opened a book since 2005. No, 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 no. Listen to him. It's great. Okay, 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 okay. So let's skip ahead a little bit. Just a little bit from there. Just a little bit from there. Okay. Who says that there's going to be a summer surge and a holiday surge way before they fucking happen? Ah! Right here. Right here. Who says to wear double masks? Double masks before fucking Fauci. Before the CDC. This guy. Right here. Right fucking here. Who says 
that by the end of the first week of March, you're going to see an uptick again of COVID in the United States and all across the world. <sighs> so I don't take a lot of pride in that, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Because to me, being right on all those things was not actually all that difficult. It was just the, just the basic information. If you're wondering like how I have dates and shit that I plug, here's what you write down. If you really want to research this on your own, like I did early last year, like I was Howard fucking Hughes with uncut fingernails and huge bags under my eyes. If you really want to like look at this and like why I'm taking this little moment of saying I'm right, you're wrong. Thank you, after fucking 14 months of fucking telling me I'm a madman, is you just look up something like Los Alamos uh, COVID model. Los Alamos. L-O-S-A-L-A-M-O-S. Or something like that. There's a lot of models for COVID out there, and they're all mathematical models built by people who are geniuses, which daddy is definitely not. And then you can just kind of like use their models, and once you figure out what their model is, you can just plug and play your own numbers into it, and you can adjust your own model. And that's what Daddy's been doing for the better part of a year now. He just took the best he, – he found out who the best modeler for diseases was. He decided it was Los Alamos Labs. Uh, he decided that because they got SARS the best. And they got uh, the 2009 H1N1 outbreak the best. Their predictions for both SARS and H1N1 were the best. And I went, well, those are two pretty good pandemics to get right for COVID. Because I found out COVID very early on had 70% of the same genetic match as uh, SARS. Anyway, so I said, they're going to be pretty good. And so I just started using their model early last year, making my own little adjustments because they're scientists and therefore too smart. I'm going to repeat that. Scientists are too smart. They need people like me in the room to go like, uh, I'm sorry, did your model just say that we were going to close down, have efficient lockdowns and good policy in America for the next 90 days? Because I guarantee you that is not going to fucking happen. Egghead. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> you had me, you had me, and then you lost me real deep. Here, let me do a little math on this for you. Here, you've never, you've never spoken to a senator in your life, have you? Like a state senator. Have you? Have you? Have you? No, you haven't. Come here. Come on. Come here, you, come here, you stupid eggheads. Come here. Let daddy show you how to fucking do this shit. And so, like, just like, you know, like, you know, they all have these models, and all these models will have things like, we assume that when lockdown measures are in effect, that they won't be lifted until certain criteria. And like, no, <laughs> fucking, you don't understand our You don't understand. You don't understand shit. Okay, it's okay. That's all right, all right. And I just changed the shit around. And then the numbers have almost always invariably followed. Almost always invariably followed. Just, just look at the models that the eggheads are using, but then use non-egghead information that you know they don't have because they had to. Because they all have, like, three fucking scientific degrees at Los Alamos Laboratory. Like, that's how many you need to get in the front door. They're like, okay, you're a doctor. But are you a doctor, doctor? Can you be a doctor of doctors? Can you teach other doctors how to become doctors? Because that's the fucking... That's what you need to be an intern here, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Do you understand what you're playing at? We're not really going to call you a piece of shit because we're all doctors here. But God damn it, we're all thinking it. <laughs> The eggheads aren't too optimistic. Uh, nobody knows everything except me, except daddy. Pay attention to me. Give me money and love me and, and cherish me at all times, no matter what I say or do. Nobody knows everything except for me. Here's a great example about how Los Alamos fucked up that you wouldn't know unless you had daddy's background of working with state senators on budgets. Here's why daddy knew. Here's what you don't know about budgets in America. Super fucking quick. Ready? Your 
federal government, yeah, you know when they start the clock over on January 1st. When does your state government in the United States do it? What day? What day is a new fiscal year for your state in America? Nobody knows this. That's okay. I didn't know this before I did this for a fucking living. This is a long time ago. Daddy was a political activist. I've talked about this briefly. July 1st. July 1st. Because nothing about America makes any fucking sense. They, we have a system where they went, oh, the federal switch is over on January 1st? Okay, well, half, halfway through that is July 1st, so that's what we're going to pick. Every state could pick their own, and a lot of states just pick July 1st, and that's the honest-to-God reason why our system is what it is. Swear to Christ. So if a lot of people, eggheads, are making models based on what states are going to do after a lockdown goes into effect that affects their income in March and April, daddy knows exactly what's going to happen in June when all the fucking bean counters for those states meet together to form the budget that they have to commit for the next year. And here's another thing that you don't know about the American system. The federal government runs debts all day long. The states can't legally. Every dollar that they have spent on a state level, on a local level in America, has to be fucking revenue earned. Otherwise, they just cut services. Right? Did you know that? The moment that your state doesn't have enough money and the federal government's not going to give them any extra, they just have to cut services because they cannot legally run a debt. I guarantee you the people making the models at, like, fucking University of Michigan, however nice they are, however lovely they are, had no fucking clue about any of this. When they were making their models, they watched everybody shut shit down on their states and whatnot in March and April, and they were like, okay, okay, I bet these will hold. And Daddy went, not past fucking June, they won't. Not past when state houses get all their bean count. You've never been in those rooms, have you, scientists? Because I have, and I gotta tell you, it's life or death. If you don't understand the American system when our states come together, if your budget shortfall is projected 8%, there are people coming in immediately to go, we will not give another fucking dollar to leave these fucking whores and their fucking products anymore. You think we want to pay for the stupid fucking children? Because at 8% is coming out. Do you understand? We have an 8% budget shortfall. It's coming out of this state's budget. They're coming for women's fucking contraception. They're coming for women's education. They do it immediately. They're not taking any money away from the oil fields. They're not taking any money out of the fucking uh, uh, housing or taxing credits that, that keep their uh, homes inflated. They're not taking any money out of the street and road pavement for the rich neighborhoods. They're not taking any money out of the police budget. They're not taking any money out of the fire department. Or, I mean, they do sometimes, but they can't really anymore since 2008. They're not taking it. You hear me? They're not taking it. They're taking money away from the homeless. They're taking money away from women's contraception. They're taking money away from uh, public health initiatives that save money down the road but do nothing for you in the next fiscal year. That's what's under assault. That there, as soon as your fucking system in America doesn't have enough money to pay for its city or its county or its state, that's what gets cut immediately. Feel free to look up any – feel free to look up like a ProPublica article. Like seriously, this, I know this sounds like insane lefty bullshit. I, we're going to have such a great time tonight, I promise. I know it does, but this is our system, right? And so daddy knew that this was coming, and so he adjusted his model for that, and we went all the way down. And so I'm just getting a little bit, I guess, excited. You could probably tell. 
because this is not high, not caffeinated for once. Because you know, but Daddy's getting a little bit excited about this because after fourteen months of studying and plugging these numbers and all this, I'm getting fucking good. Right? It's not like cooking. Okay, where it's exciting because I make a product. And I'm like, yay, I get to eat this and it worked out. Because the worst, the worst thing that happens when I cook something, I'm like, okay, well, this is the lesson that I learned and this is what I'll do next time. And that's the worst thing that happens. The worst thing that happens when I'm right about COVID is people die. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> like, really bad. So it's not the same kind of excitement. I just want to make sure I'm clear about that. But the reason why I'm celebrating and extolling myself is I didn't make some prediction that came true. I knew enough about this that I could kind of turn my mind off for weeks and not have to read anything about it. I had enough of a familiarity with a model and I had consumed enough information that I really believe that I understood that I was so confident making that prediction to you five weeks ago that I said, this is it. And I, and I got so much razzing. I got so much razzing and I made it so confidently. And I, <laughs> I gotta say, it just feels fucking fantastic. In the worst way, horrible. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting the apocalypse. I'm predicting a way worse one from here. But it just feels amazing. It feels so good and so sexy. Uh, in all sincerity, it's weird. It really is weird betting on yourself and investing in yourself and believing in yourself when other people are out there saying no, especially if they're tired of it, especially if they don't like it. I have, I think, in my, in my opinion, in my estimation, a special ability. I've had it since I was a young age. My special ability is I can say what I'm actually thinking and feeling, and even if it's taboo, sometimes I can get a laugh out of it. As far as I can tell, it is a very special ability. There's not a lot of people, even entertainers, even professional actors that can do this. A, a big person that I think has the same ability is Jason Mantzoukas, if you know that actor's name by chance. He's an entertainer who I think has the exact same special ability. We both kind of seem to have this ability where we can say something that normally is very upsetting and disturbing, but immediately gets a laugh. I can't do it the way that he does it. He's a very great, he, and if I do it like that, it actually scares people. So I, I, I don't, I don't put on the gas, but he also can't just like with a straight face be all like, and I'm going to kill that puppy and fucking eat it and get the fucking laugh that I do. In the same way, like, because he tries sometimes and it doesn't work. And I talk about that kind of shit all the time, right? I'll start off shows with, like, who wants a cat? Because I'm sick of this bitch. And I can actually get a laugh out of it sometimes. Not every time. But I can. It's a special ability. <sighs> My special ability that I'm trying to use right now is to tell you that no matter what you think or feel, however you're going to get through it, if you think I'm a madman still... Uh, if you totally disagree with me on uh, if this is over, if vaccines are going to save the day and, and uh, everybody who thinks otherwise is basically just like a QAnon uh, conspiracy theory, crazy, crazy person, totally respect you. Totally respect you. I also want to say very clearly, I am so excited to get my Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I mean, I'll take any of them, but just, just telling you straight up, that's the one that's going to be offered to me uh, almost assuredly. 
Uh, and I'm so excited to get it. So don't take this as an anti-vax thing. Take this as a personal win and a personal celebration thing. Daddy is excited that he's learning things. Daddy is using this motivation to try and get himself in the best shape as possible, to put the best foot forward possible, no matter what the chaos is that's going on around him. And Daddy's having a good time with it, too. And also, much more importantly, it's really helping Daddy cook, because he's just so convinced it's going to be a long time before he can sit down and really enjoy a fucking piece of food anywhere. So it's really been very motivating to keep that whole uh, skill set and process going. And thank you to all of you who have been so encouraging for my mental health, my physical health, everything else I've been doing. It really means a lot. I'm going to try and swing it tonight, even after everything I said right here. We're really going to try and read a lot, give you a great show and a great episode. But from the bottom of my heart, as somebody who felt the incredible yoke of being gaslit, quite frankly, by, by his government and sometimes even his friends, by somebody who felt deeply, deeply depressed because of the disorientation of believing and thinking one thing with total conviction while being told constantly by experts what a nincompoop they were and what an alarmist they were and how uh, they needed to let other smarter people handle it. As somebody who had to live for over 400 straight consecutive days with a belief that they could not make real to anybody else about, you know, potential futures and what have you, and has felt the relief of that come, whatever the pain is in your life as a woman, because I deeply believe this, whatever the pain in your life is as a woman that is unheard, even as you try and express it over and over again in your life or your situation, depending on how long you've carried that pain, if you're a woman... I feel like your pain is often disregarded. Whatever it is, don't know you, don't know your pain. And that is the most destructive portion of that pain of all. That you can't get commiseration, acknowledgement, you can't get other people to, to give you that it's real. Not real to you, but real. Your pain is real. And you realize it. I believe that women carry that pain more than men. I do. And whatever that pain is, I just hope you get to live a life in such a way that you feel you're taking good care of yourself around that pain. And one day, I hope, at least for a little bit, that pain is lessened. May one day a stranger, may one day an event, may one day a situation occur where your pain is fully acknowledged and made real in the eyes and acts and words and being of another person. Because if you haven't experienced anything like mine, you will feel incredible relief. You will feel empowerment. You will feel a strange, strange resentment that it didn't come sooner, but it will be quick and it will abate right away evaporate like it wasn't there and be replaced with much better feelings almost immediately. If your experience like mine about holding that pain that is invisible or that even worse yet, you suspect others are choosing to make invisible willingly, 
because that's really awful when others do that. I hope that you can still nourish yourself around that pain and feel like on the other side of it, that even though it held you back and even though it inhibited you in some way, you still grew. You still not just survived, but you became something else. I personally do not believe in what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Not at all. I believe pain is a horrible, horrible, transformative in a negative way piece of experience. And that mitigating pain, avoiding pain, acknowledging pain, trying to soothe pain is definitely the better way to go through life than saying pain sharpens or toughens or enhances people. You're going to throw it down to one of the two? I absolutely have my camp, and I don't think I can be budged. May your pain be acknowledged, seen, felt. May you move on past it one day, even though I don't think I'm all the way past mine. But my God, 400 plus days of being gaslit in a row is a lot. 400 days of being called chicken little <laughs> in a row is a lot. It took a, it took, it took a, it took a, it took a toll on me that I did not know it had taken until it had passed. And I only wish, I mean this sincerely, besides my little, little strut at the beginning about Fauci, because uh, him and I, uh, I have absolutely, <laughs> I have absolutely no resentment towards any of you. I know a lot of you don't want to hear about COVID no more, and you want to just have a great summer. And I hope I'm wrong, and we all do, truly. But as somebody who lived through this, and somebody who believes that women live through it more than men, get through it, yeah? Even if it gets harder, but especially if it gets easier, get through it. One piece, who you are. Thank you so much for hearing that overly size. I mean, I had such condensed notes that was going to be like a third the length at the beginning. I'm getting better. Still ramble too much and put too much of my personal shit on it, though. Oh, well, there's always 15 seconds button, right? There's always enhance. There's always the idea that I'm enhancing women's wrists and their forearms and getting their, their bodies all toned by having them click 15 seconds over and over and over and over again. So there's, there's that, too. It's like, damn, girl, you must have been listening to that Nightly Pleasure podcast. Look at your arm. It's so defined. You've been jilling off like crazy? Nah, girl, I only like about one-sixth of what he says. Click, 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 click. Click, 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 click. Uh, is he talking about COVID? Is he talking about feelings? Uh, bring on that sexy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I hope you appreciate you as much as I appreciate you. And then a whole lot more. Here we go. We've got so much poetry tonight. <clears throat> taking a photo of you, taking a photo of me, I see the black snout of the camera frame by hair where your face should be. I see your arms and one hand on the shutter button, the hedge behind you and beyond, below, overexposed water, 
and sky wiped white. Some flecks out of focus are supposed to be boats. You're back towards what light is left. You're not recognizable except by those cut-off jeans that I gave you by shooting them from above, forgetting your legs. So, if I didn't know, I wouldn't know who you are, you know. I do know who, you know, you know, could be anyone. My mistake. It was because I wanted to trip the shutter at the exact moment you did. I did when you did, and you did when I did. I can't wait to see yours of me. It's got to be even more awful. A face facing the light pulled up into a squint behind the lens, which must reflect the muggy, setting sun. A big glass cyclopean eye superimposed on a flattened nose, that print, that one you took of me as I took one of you. Who or what will it be? Will I be? I wonder. Can't wait. Boy, that poem has the most clever name, Double Exposure, by May Swenson. That was a fun one. That's such a great name for that fucking poem. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Just reminds me real quick, like, I'm into Stranger Things. Uh, I really like this, the show Stranger Things. It's just a fantastic show to get drunk to and watch. And there's a, there's a lot of photography in the 80s. It's set in the 80s, and there's, like, a lot of red rooms and shit. And I didn't realize how young the base of Stranger Things was until, <laughs> until I read a comment uh, online about, like, Hey, guys, I'm a big fan of Stranger Things. What's going on with the weird red lighting in the rooms with the photographs? And I, <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, that person, if they, like I said, it's got a younger fan base. I had no idea. <laughs> I, uh, I just thought, like, boy, they would have no idea that double exposure was an incredibly clever pun for that poem, would they? That's all. It's the only thing I came to mind. <clears throat> Looking up at the stars. I know quite well that, for all they care, I can go to hell. But on earth indifference is at least we have to dread from man or beast. How should we like it if it were stars to burn with a passion for us we could not return? If equal affection cannot be, let the more loving one be me. Admirer, as I think I am, of stars, that do not give a damn. I cannot, now that I see them say, I have missed one terribly, all day. We are all stars to disappear or die. I should learn to look at an empty sky and feel its total dark sublime, though this might take a little time. The More Loving One W.H. Auden. Since you girls always like science facts from me, did you know that the Milky Way, the galaxy that you're standing on right now, is making brand new stars as you speak? The way that cosmology is often presented, it is like 
galaxies were made a long time ago, and those galaxies made stars, and maybe there's some new galaxies forming and they're making stars, but that's that. No, right now in the Milky Way, you are experiencing new stars being made, and even after we collide with the, I believe it's Andromeda Galaxy, in a couple of hundred million years, uh, even then, both galaxies, the Milky Way and the Andronima, will both be making new stars on the other side of that collision. Isn't that crazy? That's when we when we hear these things about how the the the, the universe is going to be empty of stars one day. It might be, but not if billion upon billion old galaxies are still making brand new stars in their systems. Eh? Looks like it's got a ways to go. Yeah, I always I thought that fact was really interesting because you know it's not how it was taught to me either. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, I'm so entertaining and sexy. This is definitely where you tell all of your friends about me and how amazing I am at a show and how proud you are of me and, and you try and get them to ignore the fact that I'm just kind of like uh, I won't stop talking about COVID and my own personal failings as a human being. And you just get them into the podcast anyway and you also tip me and all that all the good stuff. You rate and review and you throw money in my kitty and, and all. I'm really bad at self-promoting, but this felt like a really good moment because I launched into a little... 60-second thing about stars before going right back into the next poem. So, god damn it, if you can't activate a woman by her pussy to get her wallet right then and there, when are you going to do it? Okay. <clears throat> Probably not by saying activate a woman's pussy. Just make a note. Rule number five. You must hold your quiet center where you do what only you can do. If others call you a maniac or fool, just let them wag their tongues. Holy shit. What well, timing. If some praise your perseverance, do not feel too happy about it. Only solitude is a lasting friend. You must hold your distant center. Do not move even if the earth and heaven quake. If others think you are insignificant, that's because you haven't held on long enough. As long as you stay put, year after year, eventually you will find a world beginning to revolve around you. A Center by Ha Jin And what if hope crashes through the door? What if that lasts a somersault? Hope for serendipity, even if a series of meals were all between us, even if all the eons lined up out of order. What are years, if not measured by trees? Interesting. Elegy by Mong Lan M-O-N-G-L-A-N. Interesting. I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit later. <clears throat> For those of us who live at the shoreline, standing upon the constant edges of decision crucial, and alone. For those of us who cannot indulge the passing dreams of choice, who love in doorways coming and going, in the hours between dawns, looking inward and outward, at once before and after, seeking a now that can breed futures, like bread in our children's mouths, so that their dreams will not reflect the deaths of ours. 
For those who were imprinted with fear, like a faint line in the center of our foreheads, learning to be afraid when our mother's milk, for all this weapon, this illusion of some safety to be found, the heavy-footed hoped to silence us. For all of us, this instant and this triumph, we were never meant to survive. And when the sun rises, we are afraid it might also not remain. When the sun sets, we are afraid it might not rise in the morning, and when our stomachs are full, we are afraid of indigestion. When our stomachs are empty, we are afraid we may never eat again. When we are loved, we are afraid we will vanish. When we are alone, we are afraid love will never return. When we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak remembering we were never meant to survive. A Litany for Survival Audre Lord. Of all the things that reminds me of, it reminds me of a speech from Deep Space Nine, where a series of aliens bred for war gave a speech about how you are already dead before you enter battle, and the only way that you can survive is to get to the other side through the camaraderie of your other opponents. To enter battle is to die. To uh, live on the other side of battle is only achieved through all the hard work of your fellow soldier. And he gives a speech and they depart. Then a human being comes up and he goes, I'm still alive, and I'd like to stay that way. Let's go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> not, not great writing on Deep Space Nine, so when you get it, you hold on to it. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends, dips his wing in the orange sun rays, and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom seem through the bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard of the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze, and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, the fat worms waiting on the dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams, his shadow shouts on a nightmare scream, his wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. Caged Bird, Maya Angelou. <clears throat> like air, we float kite words, fragile signals, and hearts flap, purple's wings. Like air, my struggling lungs seize you, gasp relief. 
release, long-held breaths, desire, expanding, capacity unknown, welcoming gulps of the future. Like air, I need clarity, shot through with sunlight, invisible to buoy me, towards the idea called us, my dreams are mostly silent, does something besides distance obscure us. Like air, intimacy should be a right, for now it is only a promise. Like air, you'll travel my blood's hungry stream to every limb, this is now how we touch. Like Air, Laura Hershey You can taste the oak in the aging love. Then, no betrayal overcomes the taste of smoke on the lips and fire in the throat. You drink some drug that no blood test can trace. Love asks everything. But well, take nothing for an answer. How you savored feta, olive oil, oregano. Your wit rang a blue note in sullen America. And if you're gone, I'm not. The love goes on. It has its own life. Eating through the heart. The heart eats all the world, the sight, the sound. The scent you left that I might track you by, the road we staggered drunkenly to art, open your hand. Let you fly. Let me fly. Bourbon with Petrarch by Wendy Batten Okay, author's note, she's lying. Absolute lie, 100% lie. Uh, if, I, if you fall in love, you can absolutely detect that with a blood test. That's absolutely true. That's this one hundred percent. If someone's in the first six months of love, you can absolutely detect that on an alchemical level. That's one hundred percent in the blood. You can absolutely see it. Uh, there's all these special kind of neurochemical modifiers. You can one hundred percent detect that with a blood test. Probably in a urine test at this point. Not only that, but like the sensitivity towards emotion and emotional states have gotten to the point where we now know that the salt crystals that you cry have different crystalline formations depending on what kind of emotional state you are in, depending on when you cried those tears. In fact, the salt crystals come out different for agony and pain than joy, happiness, and love. That is correct. It is established scientific record. So, uh, she's a little bit wrong. I can't tell if you're still in love, but if you've fallen in love in the last couple of months, in fact, your neurology, your alk, your, your bio uh, markers, and possibly even your tears will give you the motherfucker away. Welcome to Gattaca, bitches! <laughs> right now, right now, the employers are testing to see if women will be pregnant uh, in the next couple of years. Like, if they're planning on having a family, that's the question that they're doing. In the future, they'll just be like, oh, she just met a guy. Is she really in love? Is she really in love? Don't fucking hire her. Don't fucking hire her. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We saw a happy tear. We want, we want sad tears. We want sad tears here. We're a family. Sad tears only. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we want the one Hollywood tear. I want. Holy shit, Arya, you're making me wonder. When somebody cries on demand, what happens then? I've never thought of this. I've brought up this fact many times about the crystalline structure and tears. Now I'm curious if, like, a psychopath cries 
or somebody that we think of with a low emotional affect state cries, or just an actor who's just straight up doing it, what is the difference between that crystalline structure? Never thought of that question. Now I'm real curious. Okay. Got something to ask next time. Okay. <clears throat> See, if I could put on the lap, if I could actually just like make nice with others and get through school, I would be a fucking great scientist. I know that. I know that, but I can't turn it off because I wouldn't be able to like, you know, all the other medical doctors would be like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I would be doing the thing that I did at the beginning and be like, you think Dr. Fauci is capable of telling you about epidemiology? I don't think so, brother. Here we go. Let's go down the list about why your virologist experts aren't worth the muster of putting on a talking head. Oh, like I, that's me. That's who I am. I'm too, con I, I. When I know I'm right, I can't be put into a corner. If you say 2 plus 2 is 4, it's like, that's it. We're done. No, 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 no. We're done. I'm talking now. That's not very scientific. <laughs> you can call me puppy. You can call me sweetie buns. You can call me glass cake. Cro-magnon poops or pigeon Selter. You could even just click your tongue twice whenever we catch eyes. Ah, from no matter how far away, but whatever it is you choose to call me, Coochie would do. No, I'll gut it out. And all these names will become uniform suddenly, under this dumb excitement always welling up inside me. That name is mine, yes, more so than any given name, because the one I adore gave it to me. To be named again correctly this time, with this name, I trick myself into believing I've been waiting for all these years. Silly, silly man. Coochie Coo by Kit Schuler. Uh maybe Schuler? S C H L U T E R. That's a cute one. A lot of interesting poems tonight. We're going all over. We've got Asians, we got Maya Angelou. <laughs> that sounded wrong. That sounded bad. That sounded incorrect. I'm sorry. I realized as soon as I we got Asians, we got Maya Angelou, we got we got Kuchiku. Uh just just read the fucking poetry, you dumb fucking study voice nerd. <clears throat> there has never been sunlight for this love. Like a crazed flower, it buds in the dark. Is at once a crown of thorns and a spring garland around the temples. A fire, a wound, the bitterest of fruit, but a breeze as well, a source of water, a breath, a bite to the soul, your chest, a tree trunk, to the current. Make me walk on turbid waters. Be the axe that breaks the lock, the dew that weeps from trees. If I become mute, kissing your thighs, it's that my heart eagerly searches your flesh for a new dawn. Of Dark Love, I, Francesco Ergon. Ergon. Uh, I'm going to need someone to look up the word turbid for me, T-U-R-B-I-D. I know what T-U-R-G-I-D means, turgid, but turbid, 
I'm not sure I know what that means. And I don't want to... So someone tell me what turbid means while I get this next poem going. <clears throat> the gray sea and the long black land and the yellow half-moon large and low and the startled little waves that leap in fiery ringlets from their sleep as I gain the cove with pushing prow, the quench its speeds, I, the slushy sand. Then a mile of warm sea-scented beach, three fields to cross till a farm appears, a tap at the pane, the quick sharp scratch, the blue spurt of a lighted match, and a voice less loud, through the joys and fears, with the two hearts beating, each to each. Meeting at Night, Robert Browning Have I made you guys look that word up before then? Turbid? I, f I swear you've given me that definition before. Did it just not stick last time? Turbid. Turbid, turbid, turbid. That is so funny. Do you guys know the word turgid by chance? T-U-R-G-I-D? It's not the most common word in English. I only learned the word turgid uh, because I love old movies, and therefore I, uh, uh, and I love satire, and I studied it. So in Dr. Strangelove, the bad guy's name is Dr. Turgid, or it's not, it's not, uh, the bad guy's name is uh, uh, Turgidston. The American officer who, who sets off the events by going a little bit mad. Sorry to give away plot points to Dr. Strangelove. His last name is T-U-R-G-I-D-S-O-N, Turgidson, which is just like this incredible play on words. And I, I try and steal from that all the time. I just think it's so funny that they just took a word turgid and they put sun on the end. Uh, so there's turgid, which means stagnant, disgusting water that is that is not moving. And then there's turbid, which means opaque, opaque and cloudy. And they're only one letter difference, and they mean effectively the same thing any time that you're going to use them when not talking about a specific... Because if you ever said turbid or turgid, like if you ever said he's a turbid fuck, you're saying he's an opaque, cloudy fuck. If you ever said he's a turgid fuck, you're saying he's a rigid, uh, unyielding, uh, uh, disease-filled fuck. Which means the same thing, basically. Like, I, I agree that there's some nuance there, but one's calling him a motherfucker and one's calling him a fucking mother. You know? Not, I'm sorry, no, it's not, because that's different. One's calling him a motherfucker and one's calling him a motherfucking ass. Listen, you ass. Listen, you butt. And they're only one letter different? I'm going to look up the etymology of these words and see if somebody just didn't fucking make a typo. That feels like somebody made a typo and that nobody ever called them on it. It's like that one... It's like that one Bible... There's that one Bible that says, Thou shall commit adultery, the devil's Bible. Did you know that? They misprinted it. They left out the knot. They got the knot for the, all the, they got the, knot for all, the other, uh, all the other Ten Commandments, but then for adultery, it said, they, Thou shall commit adultery. And they printed a bunch of them before they caught this spelling mistake. <laughs> I kind of feel it's like that. And somebody like Noah Webster was just all like, Eh! There's no such thing as a dictionary. My name's Noah. I'm just going to write down words. That's what it means now. Uh, and, like, nobody ever caught. 
There's a Bible, I swear to Christ, there's a young Christian Bible out there where they actually have Jebus in there. J-E-B-U-S. Not in every one of them. But there's a Jebus in a youth Bible. I've seen it. They didn't catch it. So, this could have happened. Jebus! <laughs> wow! Okay, the girls were really on board with the Jebus. That's okay. There you go. Well, the Devil's Bible, or whatever they call it, the Satanic Bible, is actually a collector's item, and it goes for hundreds of thousands of dollars every time it's auctioned up. There's only a couple of copies left. Uh, so if you ever find an old Bible, look through it. Make sure it's not telling you to get fucking get fucked. Because if it is, somebody wants to buy it for way too much money. For way too much money. I always go too creepy, because I'm a, I'm a single, you know, I'm a single white guy, so I'm not afraid of creepy estate sales. They're like... Come to this estate sale. It's 50 miles out of town in a place where seven people just died mysteriously. And I'm like, that sounds like there's going to be some good deals there. <laughs> there's going to be bloodstains on some furniture I'm going to be able to get off. That's going to that's gonna work out great. How many children did you say were chained up in the basement? Oh, man, that's so much scrap metal. Oh, God, if you give that to me for 25, I'm going to make so much profit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you guys don't know how much fucking heavy metal welding goes into fucking cuffing up a kid. In the movies, they always give up after like 20 seconds of screaming. But in real life, they literally never stop pulling at those things. Think about how bored a kid is in a Zoom meeting, then try and chain one up in a basement with no light. They don't stop. Those chains are legit. I will take the whole thing off of you. $25 last offer. <clears throat> They make games out of trying to get out of their chains and shit when they get bored in real life. And then just pops off one day and they're like, hey! Always go for adults. It's how they always get caught. The fucking, you know, it's always like the pedophile is like, I wanted to protect her. She was so pretty. So I brought her up and I chained her up. She was 14 and I knew that she would be mine. It's like a 14-year-old? You chained up a 14-year-old and you expected her to stay put? You can't get a 14-year-old to do anything if there's not a fucking phone in their hand. Are you out of your fucking mind? Of course she got out and fucking flagged somebody down on a highway. What were you thinking? What was your plan? Have you ever met a... Oh! See, that's a pretty good joke. It's gonna... See, that joke went a lot better place than you thought it was going to go, didn't it, in the middle of poetry? Yes, it did. Okay. Everyone gets a little nervous when suddenly I start talking about, like, <laughs> non-traditional sexual shit. Like, I'm suddenly going to reveal something about myself. All I'm going to say is this many years into it, screw you! Screw you! That's on you for getting tense. If you really think that's going to be the reveal at the end of it, if you're like, oh, fuck. What am I going to... Oh, shit, get ready. No. Fuck you. If I make an Elizabeth Smart joke, come on. It's going to be about duct tape. <laughs> it's going to be about the incredible logistics of finding a highway when you don't know your way in nature. That's what an Elizabeth Smart joke is going to end up with me. All the other shit's too easy. <laughs> I want humor that you can use. Uh, 
imagine somebody like chained up in a basement. They're listening to my podcast because because somebody has to like, you know, just keep them entertained a little bit. I call it the Don Draper rule because if you've never seen Mad Men, you're not going to understand that and I can't explain it to you. But basically, you want to keep people who you keep in a room entertained is the Don Draper rule uh, I learned from Mad Men. And nothing. That's okay. It's a great show. One of these days, you'll all watch it. Anyway, uh, you all get bored. When it comes to the idea of like keeping somebody bored in a room, podcasts have got to be way up there, right? Because it's just somebody talking and there's no way that you can even listen to a podcast. If you're not interested in a podcast, there's no way you can screen a podcast because you're listening to the podcast and you're like, why would anybody fucking listen to this? Has anybody ever played a podcast for you, like a friend, like somebody you respected, and then you just had to listen to that podcast and you weren't into it? That is goddamn hell. You have to make sure... You have to make sure you're not going on a road trip with somebody who's all like, yeah, man, I love podcasts. And then they start putting on like American Enterprise shit. Like, you know, the music that starts off like an 80s lo-fi, like, bah, 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 bah. here's why everybody who's poor sucks. And now you're stuck with that for three hours. Suck <laughs> so with somebody who rambles even more than me and begins every single economic rant with you know you know you know these you know these people these people you know these people you know this you know these people these people you know these these what you know these people these you know the these people you know these people these people you know this. I hope so. I hope to eventually learn from you, sir. <laughs> Haven't yet. And so you got some, like, gal who's all, like, chained up and shit. She's like, I just want to listen to this podcast where the guy has a sexy voice and sometimes he makes me laugh, but usually not. And then, like, she just listens to the episode where I'm just all like, okay, so here's what you do if you're trapped in the back of a car and you don't know where you are and you don't know how to make a compass. Because I was just just thinking about this the other day not for any reason i was just out hiking by the way nobody's missing in my town don't even ask any questions about that and here's what i was thinking about like if i was trapped in the middle of nowhere and didn't have a compass here's what i would do i don't really know how to get this back on track for poetry i know i want to finish strong and want to keep knocking some shit out so i'm gonna just gonna tell one of my favorite jokes of all time and then i'm gonna get back into the poetry so that's gonna be my soft landing <clears throat> Thank you very much for entertaining me in the middle of this. Pay me. I'm so entertaining. All right. So here's how this joke goes. I haven't told this joke in so many fucking years. Sherlock, Wo Sherlock Holmes and Watson are out camping. <laughs> ah, fuck. Let's see if I can do this. Sherlock Holmes and Watson are out camping. They are in the middle of a field in southwest uh, England. They wake up at 2 a.m., with Holmes nudging Watson. Watson slowly rouses, and Holmes says, Watson, look up at the sky. What do you see? Watson blinks slowly awake, and he says, Well, I see the stars, Holmes. And Holmes says, And what can you deduce from that? Watson looks at the sky, and he says, Well, from the clear night sky and the position of the stars, I can tell you that we're in the southwest of England. I can tell you the approximate date. He thinks for a moment longer, after Holmes is silent, he says, From there, in the constellations, I can also give you approximate longitude and latitude. Like, get us on our way to either London or a number of other train stations. Holmes remains silent. Watson thinks for a long longer. 
Well, I can hear a cricket chirping, and I know from the temperature out that a cricket chirps once uh, every two seconds, depending on how many degrees Fahrenheit it is above 45 degrees. Therefore, I know it's approximately 60 to 62 degrees out right now. Holmes remains silent. Watson thinks about any other facts that he might know in this moment and comes up totally blank and goes, well, I, I, that's what I can deduce, Holmes. Why? What of you? Sherlock takes a long moment and says, that our tent's been stolen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, all right, one of my favorite jokes of all time. <clears throat> Have you forgotten what we were like then, when we were still first rate? And the day came fat with an apple in its mouth, and no use worrying about time. But we did have a few tricks up our sleeves and turned some sharp corners. The whole pasture looked like our meal. We didn't need speedometers. We could manage cocktails out of ice and water. I wouldn't want to be faster or greener than now if you were with me. Oh, you were the best days of all my days. Animals. Frank O'Hara. <clears throat> Every time I think of you, my heart wants to tear up of its natural self, and create formation for the feelings that occupies it. Just a little thought of you. You mean so much to me. Sometimes words are just words, and the meanings behind them sometimes less. But my eyes can never fail to tell the truth, for my soul within comes out the joy you brought into my life. If only there was a better definition of love than how I would feel not so normal. Deep inside my soul carries all the treasures that amounts to a lifetime of happiness. I believe in the feelings which our souls produce. And with that, my love for you is a guarantee. Wherever life takes us, my spirit will always connect to yours. Feelings for you. Loreto Lee Tladi. Tlidi? Tlidi? Don't know that one. <clears throat> I am dreaming of a house just like this one, but larger and opener to the trees, nighter than day and higher than noon, and you visiting, knocking to get in, hoping for icy milk or hot tea or whatever it is that you like. Each night is a long drink in a short glass. A drink of black sound water, such a rush, and a fall of lonesome no form can contain it, and if it isn't night yet, though I seem to recall that it is, then it is not for everyone. Did you receive my invitation? It is not for everyone. Please, come to my house lit by leaf light. It's like a book with bright pages, filled with flocks and glens and groves, and overlooked by Pan, that seductive satyr in whom the fish is also cooked. A book that took too long to read, but minutes to unread, that is to forget. 
Strange are the pages thus, nothing but the hope of company. I made too much pie in expectation. I was hoping to sit with you in a treehouse in a nightgown in a real way. Did you receive my invitation? Written in haste, before a leaf blinked out, before the idea fully formed, an idea like a storm cloud that does not spill or arrive but moves silently in a direction, like a dark book in a long life with a vague hope in a wood house with an open door. Visitor by Brenda Shaughnessy S-H-A-U-G-H-N-E-S-S-Y Shaughnessy is how I'm going to pronounce that because there's a lot of ways you can go. If you go with like a Celtic pronunciation, it'd be like Shaughnessy, Shaughnessy, if I got that right. <clears throat> I meant to be taller, to be a bit of a baller, and to own an Impala. All right, I'm sorry. All right, let me try again. <clears throat> I meant to be taller. I tell my tailor who tells my teller who cashes my checks and all in one, the suit, the height of my ambition. And kinder, I tell my trainer who trains my tailor and tailor too to look better, wetter, and drier, kinder to people in bluer skies, moles and republicans, even though it makes more muscles to smile than it tells someone to fuck off. I ask my tuner to listen to my head and tell me if it sounds out of sorts. She says a man's not a piano and cries, for wouldn't that be nice? A man you could sit in front of and play like a Sadie tuning. A piano into a river, speaking to its mother, the rain, late at night, but she's sweet, my tuner, and tightens a few strings in the back just to get the old tinka-tinka up to snuff before she kisses me on the cheek. Life! I think that's what this is. The glow where she smacked her lips to my skin, birds acting surprised that the sun has sought them out once again and me looking in my closet in the morning and choosing the suit and snails over the suit of armor and remind me to go slow, to savor, as if they know. Under Construction Bob Highcock Just going to be real honest with you, when he said my tuner uh, for his head, I assumed he meant therapist. So when the therapist kissed him, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> that's not proper and then I realized oh no like most normal people the, his head tuner is a romantic person that's he's allowed close in his life because he's not a total fucking mess of a man in every way shape and form good job Bob keep going Bob you're doing great Bob <clears throat> <laughs> on your side Bob I crave your mouth your voice your hair Silent and starving, I prowl through the streets. Bread does not nourish me. Dawn disrupts me. All day I hunt for the liquid measures of your steps. I hunger for your sleek laugh, your hands the color of a savage harvest. Hunger for the pale stones of your fingernails. I want to eat your skin like a whole almond. I want to eat the sunbeam flaring in your lovely body, the sovereign nose of your arrogant face. I want to eat 
the fleeting shade of your lashes, and I pace around hungry, sniffing the twilight, hunting for you, for your hot heart, like a puma in the barrens of Quidditcher. Quidditcher. Ooh, I'm so sorry that I messed it up at the end there. Uh, that is Love Sonnet 11 by Pablo Neruda, and I'm afraid I don't know that last word. Q-U-I-T-R-A-T-U-E. Oof! Nailing it until then, too. I don't, I don't know. Quidditcher. Is that a place? It's capitalized. I'm afraid I don't know it. <clears throat> Caught me by surprise. The world is imperfect. What a gift that is. A perfect world has no need of us. A love, a work, our arts. The world is imperfect, and being a creature of this place, we will live our worthy lives imperfectly. Jared K. Anderson. No title. Uh, we're not going to do quick quotes tonight. I know you all love it so much, but uh, I've got a lot left to read, and uh, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna forge on ahead. Uh, I can, I can feel, I can feel the stamina bar starting to dip down, and it takes a little while to do that. So next week, come by. I'll do all of your quick quotes. I'll tell you how much and amazing you are. Okay. <clears throat> Last poem. Passions are likened best to floods and steams, the shallow murmur, the deep and dumb. So when affections yield discourse, it seems the bottom is but shallow whence they came, that they are rich in words, in words discover that they are poor in what makes a lover. Wrong not, sweet empress of my heart, the merit of true passion, with thinking that feels no smart, that sues no compassion, since for my paints serve not to approve the conquest of thy beauty, it comes not from the defect of love, but from the excess of duty, for knowing that I sue to serve a saint of such perfection as all desire, but none deserve a place in her affection. I rather choose to want relief than venturing in revealing, where glory recommends the grief, despair distrusts the healing, thus those desires that aim too high for any mortal lover. When reason cannot make them die, discretion doth them cover. Yet when discretion doth bereave the paints that they should utter, then thy discretion may perceive that silence is a suitor. Silence is a love berays more woe than words, though never so witty. A beggar that is dumb, you know, may challenge a double pity. Then wrong not, dearest to my heart, my true though secret passion, her smarteth most that hides the sun and sues for no compassion. The Silent Lover, Walter Raleigh Oh boy, there's two ways that this one can go, just from seeing who wrote it. <clears throat> it's our first love letter, but love might be in quotations by the end of this. I have to look away for one second to gain my composure. Here we go. <clears throat> my sweet little whorish Nora. I guess we got our answer. I did as you told me. 
You dirty girl. And pulled myself off twice when I read your letter. <sighs> this guy wrote the Dubliners. This guy is like one of the most cited authors of the 20th century. This guy wrote an entire fucking story about seeing a girl's ankle causing a boy to just lose his fucking mind. It's a whole story in the Dubliners. The same fucking dude. All right. Okay. <clears throat> I am delighted to see that you do like being fucked arseways. Yes, now I can remember that night when I fucked you so long backwards. It was the dirtiest fucking I ever gave you, darling. My prick was stuck in you for hours, fucking in and out under your upturned rump. I felt your fat, sweaty buttocks under my belly and saw your flushed face and mad eyes. At every fuck I gave you, your shameless tongue came bursting out through your lips and gave you a bigger, stronger fuck than usual. Fat, dirty farts came spurring out your backside. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big, fat fellows, long, windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little nighty farties ending in a long gush from your hole. It was wonderful to fuck a farting woman when every fuck drives one out of her. I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out of a room full of farting women. It is a rather girlish noise, not like the wet, windy fart I imagine fat wives have. It is sudden and dry and dirty, like when a bold girl would let off a fun in a school dormitory night. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face so that I may know their smell also. You say when I go back you will suck me off and you will want to lick your cunt, you depraved blackguard. I hope you will surprise me some time when I am asleep, dressed, steal over to me with a whore's glow in your slumberous eyes, Gentle undo button after button on the fly of my trousers, and gently take your lover's fat Mickey, lap it up in your moist mouth, and suck away at it till it gets fatter and stiffer and comes off in your mouth. Sometimes, too, I shall surprise you asleep, lift up your skirts, and open your drawers gently, and lie down gently by you, and begin to lick lazily around your bush. You will begin to stir uneasily, then I will lick the lips of my darling's cunt. You'll begin to groan and grunt and sigh and fart with lust in your sleep. Then I will lick up faster and faster like a ravenous dog until your cunt is a massive slime and your body wriggling wildly. Good night, my little farting Nora, my dirty little fuckbird. There are one little lovely word, darling. You have to underline to make me pull myself off better. Write me more about that and yourself, sweetly, dirtier, dirtier. What do I do for a living? Well, ah, <sighs> uh, yeah, it's a great question, really. <laughs> what do I do for a living? Why are you hiring?
<laughs> I bear my soul on stage. I bear my soul on stage. That's what I do for a paycheck. How about you? What do you do for a living? <laughs> Woo! I can't believe I got through that shit. You'll probably notice if you're a big fan of mine, I had to put on the announcer voice for that one. There was a little disembodiment necessary. <laughs> Just, a, just, I have to get back to it. Just, I have to, I have to, like, try and show some, that's so submissive of me to have to say all that because one of you suggested it. That's pretty sub of me, so I'm going to have to try and reclaim a little self-esteem and dominance right now. And let's just talk about random Jack facts that Jack happens to know. In World War II, there was something called the V-2 rocket. It was invented and perfected by Germany. It was very, very good. It was the first rocket artillery that could be launched from one country and hit another, so long as country number two was only a couple of miles across the water. Anyway, the V-2s were very, very powerful and scary, and they might as well have just been like satellites dropping bombs on us today for a modern equivalent of like, what the fuck do you even do about that kind of thing? Well, the answer that the Brits came up with is that they had people in bombers, in the back of bomber bays, sit around with modified bombing bays that had radar dishes in them. These are very special radar dishes because radar in the back of a moving vehicle today is already still kind of complicated. This is World War II. And so they have bombers, but instead of bombs in the back of them, they had men sitting down. They had soldiers. They had recruits. They had kind of radar uh, uh, telemetry uh, equipment, and they were trying to detect when they could find these little blips going off so that they could uh, affect things. There's all these great radar situations uh, in, in World War II. They come up with all these listening outposts, but that's not enough. So they make effectively flying uh, scout towers, and they have men in the back watching these radar screens and doing nothing else. And the reason why I'm telling you about this is because they found out that unlike other positions in the military, where like an artillery loader or like somebody who is a pilot gets better if they fly more missions, right? Somebody, the more somebody loads artillery as part of an artillery clue, the better that they load the artillery, the more faster those shots go off, the less misfires, the less duds, yada, yada, yada. That's what happens in the military to the Brits at this point. The more you use a soldier in a, in a post, the better they get. Except the exact opposite is happening for these radar post soldiers. They have soldiers dedicated to one thing. They've specially trained them. They've specially selected them. They've gotten people who are patient, young men who are very patient and very capable and have shown it over and over again, their dedication to the cause. There's no question. These are some of the best. These are who you want to put in this position. And within weeks, within weeks, they got worse. They missed it. They would miss the one thing that they're staring at these radar screens for, and they would miss all these pings that would come off the radar screen. They got worse. And they found out through the study of this that they had to replace these crews every couple of weeks. They wouldn't even let them go for a six-week tour. The pilots, they would let fly over and over again. The radar specialists on the ground, the, you know, the most high-end crews, Enigma machine people, they would let them fucking go on shit for fucking years on end. But these radar crews had to be replaced every couple of weeks. Because no matter how dedicated or how patient, they realized 
It was only fun looking at that screen when it was new. And the longer you did it, the worse you got at it. I can give you a, hopefully I can find it again, give you a big article about it. But they found out if they replaced these guys every two to four weeks, they saw a lot more of what they were putting them in this position for than if they just kept training the same guys to do it over and over and over again. Experience actually took away from their ability to do this job because of how tedious it was. Because of just how tedious it was looking for these pings. Hmm. Why am I bringing that up to you now? Well, because you keep having me read that fucking... <laughs> keep having me fucking read James Joyce talking about farting over and over and over again. Because <laughs> you keep having me talk about James Joyce loving fucking the farts out of Nora over and over again. Like, once a year, at least, that gets suggested. And all I'm gonna say is, just like those motherfuckers in the back of those bomber planes... I have now learned what it means to have to do my weekly tour in the back of the fucking bomber staring at the screen. So you can keep go ahead and throwing that shit at me. That's very weird. Like, I'm just going to say, as a white guy li living through like a BLM, mo I think there's going to be a lot more BLM shit once shit heats up a little bit this year. Just That's just a prediction. Just say, as a white guy, you know, there's a level of discomfort reading fucking my Angelou talking about why the cage bird sings and shit, you know? I'm just gonna say that. But as long as you guys are gonna keep throwing at me, I'm just gonna become that fucking radar tech at the back of the bomber, and I'm gonna fucking do it. Okay? I know that I'm not gonna be stuck on here for more than two to four weeks, so I'm gonna nail this shit, I'm gonna look for circles, I'm gonna tap the fucking chart when I see the fucking circle, and we're gonna get through this war effort. And that's how daddy fucking plays the game these days, when you fucking keep talking about thoughts being fucked out of Nora Joyce! All right, on to the next love letter. <clears throat> Diego! Nothing appears to your hands. Nothing like the green gold of your eyes. My body is filled with you for days and days. You are the mirror of my night, the violet flash of lightning. You are dampness of the earth, the hollow of my armpits in the shelter. My fingers touch your blood, and my joy is to feel life springing from your flower, fountain to mind to fill the paths of nerves which are yours. You are the combinations of numbers, life, my wish to understand lines from shade movement. You fulfill, I receive. Your words travel the entirety of space and reaches my cells, which are my stars, and then goes to yours, which are light. I was the thirst of many years of restrained in your body, chained words which we could not say except on the lips of dreams. Everything was surrounded by the green miracle of landscape of your body. Upon your form, the lashes of the flowers responded to my touch, the murmur of streams. There was all manner of fruits in the juice of your lips, the blood of my pomegranate, the horizon of my mammy, and the purified pineapple. I pressed you against the bread and the prodigy of your form penetrated all my blood through the lips of my fingers, smell of oak essence, memories of walnut, green breath of ash tree, horizon and landscapes, I trace them with a kiss, oblivion of words will form the exact language of understanding that glances of our closed eyes, you are here 
intangible, and you are the universe which I shaped into the space of this room. Your absence springs trembling in the ticking of the clock, in the pulse of the light, your breath through the mirror. You are to my hands. I caress your entire body. I am with you for a minute, and I am myself for a moment, and the blood is the miracle which runs in the vessels of the air from my heart to yours. The green miracle of the landscape of my body becomes in yours the whole of nature. I fly through it to caress the rounded hills with my fingertips. My hands sink into the shadowy valleys into an urge to possess, and I am enveloped in the embrace of gentle branches, green and cool. I penetrate the sex of the whole earth. Her heat chars me with my entire body, is rubbed by the freshness of my tender leaves. The dew is the sweet and new ever love. And in your mouth, and in your breasts, I have the taste of almonds from your lips. Your presence floats for a moment or two as if wrapped my whole being in anxious wait for the morning. I notice that I'm with you. At the instant, still full of sensations, my hands are sunk in oranges. My body feels surrounded by your arms. Frida Kahlo to Diego. And that's why you should always fuck a painter instead of a writer. <clears throat> to you. The way I thought was wrong, having not known it was right. Here is the proof of my feelings. Don't hate me. Love me forever. Beautiful is the world... Slow is one to take advantage. Wind up the world to any other way, and the start of the turning of the earth. Lie, my feelings, for thou. To you, shame on me. I love you. Charlie Parker to Chan Woods A lot of lament in a few words. What do you think he did? What do you think Charlie did? <clears throat> Francis! I am so lonely I can hardly bear it. As one needs happiness, I have needed love. That is the deepest need of the human spirit. And I love you utterly. So have you now become the whole world of my spirit? It is beside and beyond anything that you can ever do for me. It lies in what you are, dear love. To me so infinitely lovely that to be near you, to see you, to hear you, is now the only happiness, the only life I know. How long these hours are alone, yet in good for me to know the measure of my love and need, that I may at least be brought to so govern myself as to never lose love and trust you have given me. Dear Francis, let us make and keep our love more beautiful than any love has ever been before. Forever, dearest one, thy Rockwell. Rockwell Kent to his wife, Francis. I don't know Rockwell Kent. I'll have to look up Rockwell Kent. All right. I thought I had a little bit more stamina in me than I did. Uh, next week, we're going to go poetry. We're going to go into... Uh, we're going to go poetry. We're going to go into quick quotes. All you want. 
And then we're just going to have a really smutty show. I'm going to do a light intro, like I normally would, 10, 15, 20 minutes, by which I mean whatever that is. And then next week, no love letters, and we've got a huge thing of smut. You can add some more. I don't know if I'll get through it all, but it'll just be a little bit of poetry. Yeah, whatever poetry you guys bring for that week. No love letters, little quick quotes, and then just smut, 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 smut. If it's good, if it's bad, if it's in between, I don't care. We'll just, we're, we're just, we've got a, you guys have recommended so much for me. I want to read it all. Uh, you know, but about two hours at this rate, at this burn, is about what I've got for you. So uh, that's what you're going to get from me tonight. And then let's see what I can do next week. All right. Maybe next week. Like, if you came here this time, you'll know why I only got like, this is an 85% show, which is awesome. Because I'm like, I'm fucking killing it for most people's shows. Uh, but you'll know why if you came early. You got to come early. You got to come early and then I talk about it. Uh, but next week, I'm going to treat everything perfectly great. And I'm going to like really try and climb the fucking mountain like an Olympian. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So two more love letters to close us out with. Uh, thank you so much for coming tonight. Thank you to everybody who requested. Thank you to everybody who came in a good mood. Thank you to everybody who came out for the first time. Uh, I know that it's kind of casual these days, but as a guy who's taken everything way too seriously and that's only held him back, I, ho- I hope you can enjoy it. We'll figure out the formatting and shit, or maybe you just have to keep coming back until I give you the, the segment that you like every week. I don't know. Just know that I love you, that I'm trying. I'm really having a good time. I'm much less anxious than I've ever been with this project. When I fuck up, I'm much more likely to forgive myself. It's pretty great. And I, I just want to say thank you one last time. All your support, all your love, all your encouragement. I know I'm kind of a shambling mess trying to become this entertaining guy who can sing one week and not the next, and you don't know what you're going to... Trust me. Don't, don't... I Trust me. It's weird on this end, too. But I am... No matter if the world's falling apart or if it's all about to get super great, no matter if uh, things just kind of keep going the way they are, no matter if uh, I suddenly uh, get discovered tomorrow or if I have to keep toiling like this, I don't really care. I don't really care. I'm having a good time. And I just show me that jubilation. Keep that jubilee rolling because that energy that you're giving me, that you're showing me lately, it's it's not discouraging me. It's definitely not discouraging me, and I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being a fan. Share my work! Put it out there. Here we go. Dear lady, there is something not quite definable in your face, something lovely, not pretty, in a conventionally thought of way. You have something graceful and tender and feminine. You seem to be a woman who has been loved in her childhood or else somehow by the mystery of genetic phenomena you have been visited by the gifts of refinement, dignity, and poise. Perhaps you cannot be accredited with all that. Irrespective of your gothic aspects, you have passed something on in terms of your expression, mind, and general comportment that is usual and rewarding. It has been a pleasant, if brief, encounter, and I wish you well, and hope we shall have occasion to cross eyes again sometimes. Oh no! Oh, this sounded so nice until here! Best wishes, Marlon Brando. P.S. Love letter. Oh no, sorry. Love letter. Oh no! Oh, it gets worse. Love letter. Marlon Brando. To an airline stewardess who struck his fancy mid-flight. Oh, it got worse. It was already bad. 
It was already bad. Then it got way worse. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't take my eyes off. Oh, no, I can't remember the, guy, the guy's name. Never mind. I was going to make a celebrity death joke, but I can't remember the last name of Robert, whoever, who killed her. Who killed, uh, who killed Natalie Wood? Ellie? Who do we think killed Natalie Wood on the boat? Wagner! It's the only way it could be worse if it was, like, signed Robert Wagner. <laughs> that level of intensity for meeting you the first time. <laughs> I just saw you, and you're beautiful, and I have to have you. I'm going I'm to be back here as many times as it takes. We're going to go out. Signed, Robert Wagner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just so curious if Chris Watkins is going to spell those beans before he, you know, shuffles off this mortal coil. Just to this day, like it's just this. It's like, is Chris Watkins ever going to tell us? Is he ever going to tell us? He's the only one who's going to tell us if he's going to tell us. Is Chris Watkins going to tell us? Ah, how's he going to know his final moments? What if he gets COVID? What if he becomes Dead Man Walkin' and he doesn't even know it? That's one of my favorite puns that I've ever written of all time, Dead Man Walkin'. What if he becomes Dead Man Walkin' and he doesn't even know it, huh? Then we just have to hope that he told somebody in his family and they're real good at keeping secrets. <laughs> okay, last poem. Oh, sorry, last poem. Last love letter after Dead Man Walkin'. Here we go. <clears throat> I don't know how to write love letters. That's okay. I don't know how to read them. But I wanted to tell you that my whole being opened for you. Since I fell in love with you, everything is transformed and is full of beauty. I would like to give you the prettiest colors. I want to kiss you. I want our dream worlds to be one. I would like to see from your eyes, hear from your ears, feel with your skin, kiss with your mouth, in order to see you from below. I would like to be the shadow that is born from the soles of your feet that had lengths along the ground upon which you walk. I want to be the water that bathes you, the light that gives you form. I wish that my substance were your substance, that your voice should come out of my throat so as to caress me from the inside in your desire and in your revolutionary struggle to make it a better human life for everyone. I want to accompany you and help you, loving you, in your laughter to find joy. If sometimes you suffer, I want to fill you with tenderness so that you will feel better. When you need me, you will always find me near you, waiting for you always. Now I would like to be light and subtle when you want to be alone. Love is like an aroma, like a current like rain. You know my sky. You rain on me, and I, like the earth, receive you. Frida Kahlo to Jose Bartove. All right, guys, that's going to be the show for tonight. Thank you so much for coming on out. 
Uh, it's a little less than two hours tonight. I'm sorry for that, especially with all the requests. If you come out next week, it's going to be a smutty, 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 smutty show. You're going to bring me a little bit of poetry. I'm going to knock that out with the opening monologue and then into lots and lots of smut. I'm really going to try and make that an extra long show. Extra sexy with all of the smut. If it's funny, if it's hot, whatever, we're just going to get through it all or as much as possible. Thank you guys so much. I really did have a great time tonight, especially for all the gals who came out early. Thank you so much. All the girls who show up, all the girls who tip, all the gals who send me in a request to read whatsoever, even if I don't get to them. Uh, thank you so much. Really, you keep the show on going and the podcast as well. Guys, we're finally living the dream where the podcast is actually a little bit ahead of time. Daddy could die and there would still be podcast episodes. That's actually the dream, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Knowing that if you saw, like, the headline, The Great Night Explodes in a Plane Crash, you could still masturbate at least one or two more times to me with brand new stuff? Come on! That's dope. That's amazing. We're finally there. So I want you just to keep on sending in those questions. Show me that support. It really means the world to me. Uh, The new Patreon scheme, I really think we're going to be able to hold on to it. Every couple of days, there's going to be a new piece just rolling on out, like, like it's a normal schedule and shit. Uh, fingers crossed, at least, with as few interruptions as possible. I think things are really starting to hum along. Um, just real quick on a final note. Uh, you probably haven't heard me talk about it all that much. Tonight was the night where I had the most tummy trouble that I've had in a long time in a show, and I felt like I just kind of bashed right through that shit. Uh, it just feels fantastic. The health, my security, my physical form, uh, just all the time. I'm really, 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 really feeling quite good. You guys have been just so instrumental in that. Thank you for letting me get totally psychotic and and totally out of sorts last year, just totally PTSD, crazy funk hole, and letting me fester in that for a while. I think I needed it, and I came back stronger and, and smarter and more sane than ever. So thank you, really, truly, for just being so good to me. I mean that. That's a sum up of what you would have heard if you came out early. Come out early. It's a great time. See you next week, Friday, 10 Eastern. I will be here. We're going to be reading the shit out of a bunch of smut. I hope you're here to feel sexy and maybe even giggle a little bit. Won't you come? Bye now. Bye now. Thank you. That's the exit. That's behind you. Bye. The music's playing on your way out. If this were an actual live show, I'd be talking about which bar I'm going to be at. And I wouldn't go there because I'm just trying to trap you all. Because if I say what bar I'm going to go at, that's where you all go to. And I can go to another bar. None of you will bugger me. Bye. Bye.